Good morning everyone. So today our first lay Dhamma talk in this summer by Todd Nielsen. He's our uh, office manager and long-term Sangha member in this our Blue Lotus community. And also Todd uh, giving wonderful support to our temple and to keep going this everything and also is always support to us uh, to improve our English and everything. And I'm verbally invite you to start give you a talk. Well, thank, thank you, Bhante, so much. Oh, it works. <laughs> uh, yes, my name is Todd Nielsen. Um, feel free to move around if you want to come closer to the screen. Um, and thank you all for coming to this pathetic but still scintillating presentation. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the uh, the Buddha's. Um, teaching, he sort of boiled it down to this, to do no evil, to do only good, and to purify one's mind. This is the teaching of the Buddhas. So in the Buddha's life, there are eight great events, and this week I'm going to talk about one through four, the four greater great events, and then the uh, next Saturday I'll talk about the four lesser of the great events. The four lesser of the great events are more... Um, sort of, uh, they have a lot of moral to them, morals and um, points to them. If I can get it to work. Of course, strictly speaking, there's a lot of verbiage at the beginning of this presentation. Strictly speaking, there is not a, this is not a canonical list, but rather a list of the events that is often depicted in Buddhist art. So the four greater events, the first one is, of course, the, the birth of Siddhartha. So the Buddha-to-be, Siddhartha, Prince Siddhartha, was born in the Lumbini Gardens, which is now in Nepal, or it was then too, but it was in Nepal. It's northern India. His mother, Maya Devi, um, was on the way to her parents' home when she stopped at the gardens, and Prince Siddhartha sprang from her right side while she was reaching for a flower in a sala tree, and you'll see all these later. Uh, the second is the enlightenment of Siddhartha. Siddhartha was enlightened while he was sitting under the Bodhi tree in Bodhgaya, which is in India, Bihar, the uh, state of Bihar in India. And that very spot is called the Diamond Throne and it is situated in Bodhgaya Temple, as I said, in the Indian state of Bihar. And a descendant of the tree still grows there, which you will see later. The third one is the first teaching of the Buddha, which is turning the wheel of the Dharma or the Dhamma. The Buddha gave his first teaching in Sarnath. There is still a large stupa there commemorating the event. And then the fourth of the four greater great events was the Parinirvana or Parinirvana. In other words, the death of the Buddha. The, the Buddha passed into his final Nirvana, Parinirvana, in Kushinagara, which is now in India, and there's a temple there and a stupa. In order to show the impermanence of all phenomena, he loved to watch the sunset, so he laid on his right side with his head to the north and gave his final teaching. So there are many stupas, as I said, and temples there. And then a quick, uh, I'll quickly tell you what the last um, four, the lesser wonders are, the display of miracles. Um, he did this in... Shravasti. Uh, number six is Taming the Mad Elephant, Nalagiri. 
very interesting story. The seventh is the descent from the heaven of the 33 gods, an even more interesting story. And um, these are, as I said before, these lesser events are all um, sort of, I would call them maybe uh, parables or fables or legends. And they all teach a lesson. And then the last one is accepting an offering of honey from a monkey. So while the Buddha was on a retreat in a forest, the Buddha was offered a bowl of honey by a monkey. But we'll talk about that next Saturday. So, ooh, whoa. So here is a depiction of the birth of the Buddha. Um, His mother, you can see her there in white in the center. She reached up to pluck a flower from a tree and the Buddha sprang from her right side. And this depicts on the right hand side all of her uh, handmaidens and the people who traveled with her to to her parents' house. And then on the left hand side you will see the gods came down from the heavenly realms. And I believe that's Indra, the chief of the gods, catching the Buddha in the and a sort of towel <laughs> or a wrap. Here's a, a very ancient depiction. Um, you can see the Buddha is actually, or I should say Siddhartha is actually springing out of his mother here as she reaches up to the branch and the gods again are catching the Siddhartha as he comes out. And when he, as soon as he came out he could walk and he could talk. So he said, supreme am I in the world, greatest am I in the world, noblest am I in the world, this is my last birth, never shall I be reborn. So he knew at that time that he would become the Buddha eventually. And this is also a very old depiction of that um, event. And you can see the gods trying to catch him, but he's already sort of slipped out of his hands and he's walking around. So the Buddha, I should say Siddhartha, Siddhartha then walked in the four cardinal directions and everywhere he stepped, a lotus sprang up. So here you see a contemporary depiction of that event. And you can see he's walking there um, and the lotuses are springing up where he walked. And then on the left you can see the uh, gods have come down from heaven to play some music. And here's a Thai version, a little difficult to see, but you can see the lotuses. He's in, in the front, Siddhartha. The gods here are on the right. And the, the green god, I think, is um, Saka, the king of the Saka, the king of the gods, I think. And then on the left, you can see the attendants who are with um, the Buddha's mother, or Siddhartha's mother. This is a Tibetan example. It's based on a on the famous xylographic series of, um, of uh, woodblock prints. Um, we have a book in our library downstairs that has uh, all the woodblock prints and it's a very beautiful book. If you have time, you should check it out. And uh, as usual with a Tibetan um, tonka, there's lots of things going on there. You see some rainbows shooting up on the right and then you can see if you have good eyesight, you can see the gods have come down. And um, there's this lower left-hand corner, you can see the Buddha walking and the lotus blossoms springing up there. Here's a contemporary example again. Um, you see the lotus blossoms again, where he walked. 
And then there's the ceremony of bathing the Buddha, which we do here not on Saka Day, the birth of the Buddha anniversary, but on the New Year's Blessing Day. This is in our temple. This is another temple. And the um, custom is to bathe the statue of the baby Buddha. So here's another one. Um, this looks like it might be a Vietnamese temple. Another view of that. Um, this is what we do here. We don't have a Buddha, baby Buddha statue, so we use a statue of the fully grown Buddha. Okay, so the next one is um, the enlightenment of the Siddhartha. So Siddhartha gained enlightenment while he was seated under the Bodhi tree. So that very spot where he sat is called the Diamond Throne. Both the Bodhi tree and the Diamond Throne are enclosed inside railings behind the Mahabodhi Temple back in um, Bodhgaya, India. So here's that very same temple, the Mahabodhi Temple. This is a, a night view of it. It's quite large. You can see it's in a t- sort of an attenuated pyramid shape with a finial at the top and then some smaller um, spires around it. Recently it was cleaned. Let's see if we can get a picture. So this is an older picture before it was cl- cleaned. And uh, originally all those niches that are going up the side of the pyramid were filled with, uh, were gilded and filled with Buddha statues, but um, they were lost over the course of time, but they have started to refill them. You can see the very bottom, there are um, whitewashed niches that have Buddha statues in them. Okay. It was uh, built supposedly during the reign of Ashoka, which would be like 200 years after the Buddha's time, but um, by 1850s it was in very bad shape and some uh, devotees from Burma and Sri Lanka paid to have it restored back to its original shape. You're welcome. And then on the left you see it's been cleaned and that is Bhante Sujata's parents actually standing in front of the temple. And on the right is before they cleaned it up. So you can see the difference it made. So here's the railing that surrounds the Bodhi tree and the diamond throne. And there's a, I think it's a monk, um, speaking to a group of people. The gold on the um, railing around there, you can buy little sheets of gold foil and put them anywhere on the temple you want to. So people have put them on the railing here. And then you can see there's a table with uh, lotus blossoms on it. So here's sort of a peak. There's the Bodhi tree on the left and the diamond throne where the Buddha sat when he was enlightened, um, covered with a canopy. And here's another view of it from the other side of the Bodhi tree. So it's a little strange, um, I think. Uh, The Bodhi tree is where the Buddha was um, sitting in front of. So if the Buddha was sitting now there, all he would see is that sort of foliate panel there. So the temple is built right in front of the diamond throne. And you can see some of the statues that are now being replaced in the niches above there. So inside the temple, uh, the Maha Bodhi temple, there's this image of the Buddha statue. Um, it's a very famous statue. Um, some Tibetan artists use the face of the Buddha here to determine the grid that they use for painting the Buddha. 
the halo or aura back there behind his head is all over diamonds. And um, those two things on the side are rubies and emeralds. And the whole thing is behind a plate of glass. Um, here's another picture that gives you some idea how big it is with a monk or a nun in front of it and a temple or a table with lotuses on it. So here's a representation of the Buddha's enlightenment in Sri Lanka. This is in the, I hope I said it right, Gangarama temple in Colombo. Um, you can see it's slightly different, well, actually quite different from the, from the Buddha image we have. Um, not too, too different. But um, in this temple, if you ever go to Sri Lanka, which I highly recommend, you can go to this temple and they have a huge hall, maybe ten times the size of this room, filled with uh, statues that are all painted like this. It's very beautiful and very um, inspiring. Now we have to backtrack a little. After Siddhartha left the temple, which is part of his life story, which maybe will be another class sometime, he um, joined up with five other wandering mendicants and they went to the various teachers. The last one they went to told Siddhartha and the other monks that the way to um, reach enlightenment was to get sort of get rid of the body or at least uh, reduce the importance of the body, so um, they started not eating at all except for one sesame seed and one grain of rice every day. So you can see they got Siddhartha and the other ones got very thin. And then Siddhartha, here's another picture of that. Siddhartha thought, well, this isn't really helping because all I can think about is food. I can't think about anything else. So um, as he was sitting one day, when he thought that, Here's another picture of him with his five other, uh, with the five other monks. Well, he's sitting one day, a milkmaid walked by. Her name was Sujata, Sujata, not Sujata. And she had a bowl of rice milk that she was going to give, she was going to offer to a sacred tree in the area. And instead she offered it to Siddhartha, who took it and ate and he regained his, regained his strength and he could think again. So here's a um, picture, contemporary picture of him sitting under the Bodhi tree. He decided to sit there and he said, I'm not going to leave this spot until I discover the way to happiness in life and how to diminish or get rid of suffering. And so that's the diamond throne he's sitting on. Um, then uh, he was assailed by Mara, some de- a demon called Mara, although some people will say it's his own self-doubt. And some people say there really is a Mara who assailed uh, him. And here you see, first he sent his beautiful daughters, you see them there, to try to seduce Siddhartha, but that didn't work. And then uh, he sent some evil goblins or demons to throw weapons at the Buddha, but as soon as they are at Siddhartha, as soon as they approach Siddhartha, they turn into flowers, which you can see there. And you can see he's also holding the um, bowl of rice milk in his hand. Here's a uh, Tibetan representation, once again, very detailed. And you can see the, you know, the beautiful, I forgot to say, the beautiful daughters turned into hideous old hags, which you can see in the lower right-hand corner, if you can see good. (laughs) And um, he also touched the earth, so I'll talk about that later. Here's another um, Tibetan tonka of the same thing. 
And off to the left, you can see the five monks who came. When he, uh, the five monks came back to him and they, um, they saw that he was enlightened. At first they were going to just ignore him because they thought he had given up and started eating again, which he did. But then they um, became his disciples. So I just threw this in because it's funny. So <laughs> on the left-hand side, you see the tree, the Bodhi tree, and the diamond throne. The Buddha is not shown in early Buddhist art. Um, the Buddha's body was not shown, um, but that's changed after about 200 years. And here is a close-up of that. And I'm not sure who these people on the right are. I think they're the gods from heavenly realms that have come to check out the... Um, enlightenment of the Buddha. And then here are the hideous goblins and dwarfs that came to uh, try to dissuade Siddhartha from becoming enlightened. So here's a contemporary uh, Tibetan one. So um, Mara also told the Buddha, you know the Buddha had spent million, a million lifetimes, some people say, and some people say 540 lifetimes previous to that lifetime as Siddhartha purifying his mind of all the um, those three poisons we talk about all the time. So Mara said to the Buddha, well, who witnessed your 540 or million lifetimes? Who was there a witness who said you spent all that time purifying your consciousness, your mind? There's no one who is, uh, can witness that. And the, the Buddha said, well, the earth was here. The earth is my witness. So he touched the earth with his right hand, as you see here. And of course the earth shook, and the Buddha did that, and then he reached enlightenment after that point. So this is a, a representation of him touching the earth. Here is um, a sort of naive, looks like a bedspread to me, um, figure of the Buddha, and uh, the, the daughters are tempting him, and the demons are trying to scare him. And here is a close-up of a uh, um, colossal statue in Thailand of the touching the earth here. And you can see again the gold um, foil has been applied to the statue. And then four weeks after his enlightenment, the Buddha was meditating when a heavy rain descended. So Muchalinda, the king of the Nagas, or the serpent, rose from the earth and sheltered the Buddha under his hood and lifted him, the Buddha, up on his coiled body. After the storm, Muchalinda resumed his human form and bowed to the Buddha. So here's an ancient, I think it's from uh, Cambodia, depiction of that. So Muchalinda had seven heads, as shown here. And here's a contemporary, I think this is Thai painting, showing the rain and the Buddha's being raised up. And he's sitting on a lotus throne because he's sacred now. Okay, so that's the end of that. So the, uh, the moral of that story, obviously, is that um, we should purify our minds to reach enlightenment. And I'm not sure what the moral of the birth of the Buddha is, except maybe if you're pregnant, don't walk around and reach up into trees. <laughs> we might drop something. But this is the third of the great events, his first teaching. So the Demex Damex stupa is the oldest, more or less complete stupa known. So that's in Sarnath on the site where the Buddha gave his first teaching. That's also in northern India near the Ganges. 
is called the first turning of the wheel of the Dharma or setting the wheel of the Dharma in motion. And it's in the deer park in Sarnath, which I think is called Isipitana. Not sure. So here's that stupa. This is sort of an odd form. Um, usually stupas are hemispherical with a spire on top, but this, this one is sort of weird looking. <laughs> um, so here are some uh, Korean pilgrims circumambulating the stupa. Notice that we should always try to keep the sacred object to our right when we are circumambulating or turning a prayer wheel. Um, there's still some casing left on the bottom part of the stupa, which you can see here. So foliate forms, like on the bottom, were very popular at that time. And also geometric forms, you can see there, were very popular. And then, you know, the egg and dart and the swag um, were also popular. So this is probably the original form of the Damek stupa on the right. That's the way it looks now on the left and then at some point the top fell off, maybe an earthquake. And this famous 5th century of the Common Era, which is known as the Gupta period in India, sandstone statue of the teaching Buddha, is now in the Sarnath Museum. It's a very famous um, statue. You can see the Buddha is holding his hands in what's called the teaching mudra, um, turning a little tiny wheel, like a quarter, between his fingers. Um, and then at the bottom you can see the uh, people are adoring the wheel of the Dharma, which is set on edge, so it looks a little strange. But that, as I said, that's a very famous statue. You'll see repre- um, reproductions of it everywhere in Asia and in America. So here's the uh, Buddha giving his first teaching. Those are the five monks who came um, to hear his teaching and joined back with him after he was enlightened. On the right, you can see the deer from the deer park. And on the left, you can see the gods have come down from heaven to hear his teaching. And he's making the teaching um, mudra here also. Also, it happened on a full moon night. All these things happen on full moon nights. Is here? Uh, well, that's a good question. In early um, Buddhist art, he was shown with his hair pulled back and put up in a bun. But somewhere along the line, that morphed into a protuberance from his head that contained extra wisdom. So I think it's sort of an artistic thing. And you know, he shaved his head because he was a monk, but it, when it grew back, it grew back in little ringlets like the statue here. And um, the ringlets, of course, turn to the right. So here's the uh, Tibetan example. His five uh, friends are down at the left-hand corner. And uh, you can see the gods are right in front, offering a conch shell and a um, wheel of the Dharma. And a little foretaste in the bottom right-hand corner, you see his cremation. So that's the usual, that's, Typical in Tibetan tonkas, they will have a lot of different scenes all put into one tonka. So here is a very typical thing seen on Tibetan temples. It shows a deer adoring the wheel of the Dharma. And the wheel of the Dharma has eight spokes because of the eight-part path. And as shown here, it's often shown flaming. Uh, and this is a, I think this is from Nepal. 
I think I took this when I was in Kathmandu. So in Japan, they have a lot of deers in near temples. I should say deer, um, who are tame. So here's, I'm not sure if there's a monk or a pilgrim feeding some of the deer there. So the Parinirvana, or the death of the Buddha. The Buddha loved to watch the sun set, so on the evening he died, he lay on his right side with his head, with his head pointing north. <clears throat> so here is um, a depiction of that event in a temple in Sri Lanka. You can see he's lying down. His feet, his legs are straight out. His hand is at his side. Um, and that's his dying pose. Behind him you can see the uh, monks who were with him when he died. So the uh, moral of the story is he actually said what it was when he was dying. His last teaching was everything that's put together is going to fall apart again, including our bodies, so you should work very hard for you to purify your mind. Here's another um, view of that particular statue. You can see the um, offerings in front of them. They're sort of woven lotus blossoms. Here's another view, and you can see the uh, disciples um, and other monks and nuns behind him. So here's uh, um, the same thing shown in a temple in, or sorry, a cave in India, the Ajanta Caves, and oops, random tourist, <laughs> you can see how big it is. This is a, oh, come on, another view. This is a, a colossal statue in Japan. You can see a blessing string or maybe a rope coming from his hand. Uh, this is a ancient depiction of the Parinirvana, which is in the Parinirvana Temple in Kushinagar, India, where he died. Um, this statue is in perilous state of repair, but here it is. It's covered by a silk cloth. Here's his face. Here's a contemporary depiction. You can see the gods have come down to pray. Here's a uh, Tonka depiction sort of an odd posture. Here's in the um, Dunhuang Cave in China, in Gansu province, a very beautiful depiction of the dying Buddha. So the Japanese depictions of the Parinirvana are called Nehan, and they follow a strict iconography. So you can notice the Bodhisattva gods, monks and nuns, lay people and even animals who came to witness the Buddha's passing. So here is uh, the Buddha lying four, uh, sorry, eight solid trees who were around the place where he died and they burst into blossoms when he died. Um, in the right upper right hand corner you can see his mother Mahadevi who was reborn after he died in the heaven of the 33 gods, also known as Treyas Trimasha heaven. She's coming down to witness his passing and the solid trees are blooming out of season near his, uh, where he's dying. Here's a close-up of his mother coming down with other gods and goddesses uh, led by a, a monk. 
Here's a Japanese depiction of an elephant who is distressed and some dragons and other animals who came. And up the way at the top you can see uh, Bhante Ananda who wasn't enlightened uh, yet when the Buddha died and he just died. He didn't die, he fainted dead away. You can see he's lying there. Here's another depiction. And then finally, yes, this is one of my favorite paintings. This is the vegetable Parinirvana and it was painted in ink by Ito Jakuchu in the 18th century. His family were greengrocers, and this is his devoted depiction of the Parinirvana. You can see the Buddha's mother in the form of a quince descending on the upper left. And the solid trees have become cornstalks, and the Buddha himself is a bifurcated daikon, and <laughs> resting on a basket. So some people think it's sort of uh, irreligious, but I really like it. I think it's really nice, and I was very privileged to see it in person in, uh, when I lived in San Francisco. It's very large, maybe 12 feet tall. So that's the end of the four great events. So thank you all. Um, I think it's time. What time is it? I can't see. Oh, five after is time. So thank you all for coming. Any quick questions? Yeah. And where are you? No borders for the country. We know where he was born, but there was no borders for the countries. Right, right. Yeah, it was like right over the border, but of course in those days there were no political borders. So you could say he was born in India or Nepal, I guess. Either one would be okay. Yes? Some people say a million times, some people say 540 times. So, 540. Well, it's a long story, but according to Buddhist philosophy, we've all been reborn. Our consciousness, we should say, has been reborn on number. We can't count how many times, can't find a beginning. But he was purifying his mind at least for 540 times of his birth before he was born as Prince Siddhartha. So there's a, something called Jataka tales that are tales or stories of the Buddha's previous lives. And there's 540 of those. So that's why people say 540 rebirths before he purified his mind enough to reach enlightenment. So I'm sure we're all working on purifying our minds now. And we are, actually, we should be because we're human beings and human beings are very intelligent and they have a lot of willpower and if you're reborn as a cow, you probably can't do much to purify your mind. So, you know, now that you're a human being, you should be starting to work on it. <laughs> Any other questions? Right. But he went on to marry and have children. Right. And he rejected the, the, the wealth that he was born into. Yeah. So, like, do they know how old he was when he left? 
family, and is that when he went into the not eating and? Yeah, I think he was thirty-five when he left. Yeah, and then he wandered around for I'm not sure how many years—five years, three years—wandered around and talked to different teachers before he figured it out for himself, and then he taught for another forty. 45 years, 40, and then he died when he was 80 or 81. 39? 29, oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, the story of the life of Siddhartha is another, another class. So, tune in next week, same time, same channel, and I'll give the, <laughs> I will give the four lesser um, great events, which are much more fun. So, thank you all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.